morning, church. Wow, this is a unique morning. Um, wow. This um, is Deb and Joanne are out of town. Jesse's with Riley at the hospital. I mean, all of the, I mean, like poof, overnight we lost half the people. Or within like 20 minutes this morning. But um, thank you all for coming. Uh, we start our new series called Reminder. And we're being Second Peter, and we're going to define faith this morning. And as we get started, it was fun working with the kids. Now, how do you define different big words? I mean, we got, you know, like, I never forget when I started working in the prison system in Ohio, I had to learn a whole new vernacular. How much you did in the military? Just a little bit. Everything is an acronym. You know, and the poor parents, I know that... Uh, Caden's going through the Marine Corps boot camp, and they're trying to learn all the Marine Corps stuff. So, and it's how we define differing words, how we define what we're going to do, how we define the aspect of our faith by what we do. And faith is a tough word. There is a whole lot that's said about it, and there's ways in which it's used. See, like, I found this this morning. Faith is not to believe God, but knowing that he will. How many of you have seen this? Yeah, you've seen it because it's in the, I mean, like, or you go to the Walmart and you see that sign that says faith, hope, and love, you know, or people put up that, those signs in their house like, oh, yeah, I found it on sale at a garage sale. But I'm not too sure if Second Peter is going to agree with this. I mean, I'm not saying this is necessarily wrong, but it, faith is not to believe God can, but knowing he will. So let's interact with 2 Peter and see what, how God defines the word faith. And it's going to be in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Everybody there? 2 Peter 1, 1 through 11. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and to godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election, for if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will, will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, how many of you thought this morning, that is thick. That's a whole bunch. I got about a third of that. I don't normally start on my sermons reading the entire text. But this is an incredibly dense section. And when to break it down into each little bits and parts, and we'll, break, and we'll look at those verses uh, separately. Second Peter starts with Peter's beginning of his letter. 
Peter is a slave to his master, Jesus. So get this. He's, he says, I'm a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter is a slave to his master, but he's invested with the authority of an apostle. What is an apostle? Big A, apostle. It's a firsthand observer of Jesus' life, death, burial, and resurrection. What's that? Jesus' faith walk. Peter is a slave to Jesus, and he's a firsthand observer of Jesus' own personal faith walk. And he's writing this letter to those who obtained or received the same faith. And what does he say? We're on equal ground of faith. So faith doesn't, doesn't discriminate. You got an apostle writing that I'm a fellow slave of Jesus Christ, but I am faithing in the one with whom I watched his faith walk. And what's the goal at the end there? May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and their Savior, Jesus Christ. So the goal is that grace and peace be multiplied and grown exponentially because you recognize Jesus. So this is all about faith. What is it? What does it look like? So he, Peter says here, I am talking to you about faith. You are fellow faith wall followers of Jesus Christ, and I watched his faith walk. Now, he is going to give us verses 3 through 11 to define it. It's dense. And he's writing this letter as a reminder to them, because he's going to say, remember, 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 all over and over again in 2 Peter. So this is the reminder. So let's look at God's definition of faith in serious detail. Well, let's look at verses 3 and 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers, partakers, partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. So he's, this part of faith is a summons for participation. Verses 3 through 4 is a summons for Jesus' participation. See, Jesus' divine God power has already given to you, bestowed upon every follower of Jesus. So if you say, I have faith in Jesus Christ, God's power, Jesus' divine power, Jesus is the one who spoke the world into creation, has been bestowed upon you. That means everything in life for every day in following Jesus exists because you have gained knowledge of Jesus. So it's Jesus who calls you. The word here, the wording here is something like an authoritative source says, get over here now. And you salute. Jesus has called you. He has summoned you. He has authoritatively communicated a demand for your presence. Not only just your presence, but your participation. And it's all for his glory and for his reputation. See, because faith, trust, and God's character. God's promises are time-tested, precious, and very great. God's promises are revealed in his character. And we're going to talk about character later as it supplements our faith. God's promises is what your faith is based upon. Now he summons you to participate. So verses 3 to 4 is summons for participation. Let's look at 5 and 7. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and with virtue, knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. So 
If the first one is God has called your faith to summon you for participation, this one is a summons for productivity. Okay, that's why we read all those verses before we got to this part in the sermon. Your faith without works is dead. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. I love me some Jesus, but I don't want to follow Jesus. How many of you does that frustrate when you see people being like that? So God writes out the definition of faith, and the first is a summons for participation. Now it's productivity. Is your faith anything? And the first word he uses there is virtue. And each one of these characteristics is going to build upon the other. Virtue, it's your excellent character to achieve your purpose in life. What? It's a thick definition. Your virtue is your excellent character to achieve your purpose in life. What is your purpose in life? That that's your faith is in what God has called you to do. And one of the main ones that we're going to say at the end of the service is go and make disciples. So your virtue, then you build upon that. So your knowledge, learning how to achieve your purpose. Your character is the what. Knowledge is the how. I know I need to get to here, then how do I get there? So virtue builds upon itself with knowledge, and then knowledge with self-control. It's knowing how to direct all of your efforts into applying the knowledge to achieve the life purpose. you got to be self-controlled to apply the knowledge to get to character. Then you have to be steadfast, the inner fortitude to continuously apply your efforts to achieve your life purpose, to develop the character over a long span of time. Then in godliness, godliness is the belief in God that put into action that emboldens your, emboldens your inner fortitude to continuously apply your effort in achieving your life purpose. See how they're building upon each other? Then you have brotherly love. Interacting with everyone as your beliefs in God take action to embolden your inner fortitude to continuously apply efforts in achieving your life purpose. Each one of these builds up and builds up. All of that is a definition of faith. How many of us got that any time this week? Check. I got two. It's like this is a serious definition. Is it any wonder when they came to Jesus and Jesus says, hey, do this, and they're like, I believe you, but help me believe. If our faith is a summons for participation and productivity, we got to have God helping us get through there. But we can't redefine the definition. So we have a summons for participation, summons for protectivity. Now let's look at 8 and 9. Verse 8. For if... For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Stop there. It's a summons for activity. For if you are doing these things, apply the sixth part of ingredients to your life of faith and its purpose keeps your relationship with Jesus from being spiritually lazy, idle, useless, unfruitful, unproductive. Faith without fervor for productivity, for Jesus' glory and excellence is selfishness, basically. It's becoming nearsighted 
and focused on yourself and not to God's purpose for your life. It's all about me. We lose sight of looking at Jesus for our faith. We start looking at ourselves. We become nearsighted, and we become focused on ourselves. And what is the first thing that we forget? Wow, Jesus, you cleanse me from my sins. Remembering Jesus' call to a new purpose for life brings service to him and others into focus. Faith gets up, knocks the dust off, and responds to Jesus' demands for action. So you have summons for participation, summons for productivity, and a summons for activity. I redid this one in the positive. Basically, Peter's saying, don't you all be lazy about it. For if you're doing all of those, you're not a lazy person. That's a spiritual workout, wouldn't you say? So that's why he starts verse 8. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the summons for participation, summons for productivity, and summons for activity. Now we have a summons for eternity. Look at verses 10 and 11. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance in the eternal kingdom of our Lord, Savior, and Jesus Christ. This is the part where we like faith. We go down the street and we're talking to our neighbor. We're at the shop or we're at work or wherever we are. Hey, Believe in Jesus and you won't go to hell. Believe in Jesus and you'll go to heaven. Where is this in there? Where does this definition come at this point in the verses? The end. This is what faith looks like to go to heaven. It's productive. It's participates. It act, it is active. So therefore, since you remember that your faith is all about and are invigorated with the zeal of the six parts of responding to Jesus' summons, remembering that all of this work is for Jesus' mission and reputation. Be all the more diligent. Work out your faith with eagerness as you deploy your faith into action. Zealously walking out your faith to validate or prove Jesus' role in your life. Look, this is faith for eternity. What is Peter saying at this point in the letter? This is what it takes to get to heaven. Imagine putting that on a track. We have watered down faith so much that if we give mental assent to something, we can resolve somebody's eternal problem with going to heaven or hell. But Peter is defining faith that goes for eternity, that gives us entrance into heaven. Look at this verse 11. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom. What's he talking about? Entrance into the eternal kingdom. Heaven. He used some really cool words here. We never would talk like this, really. If you were talking to your neighbor about, hey, they were like, hey, how do I get to heaven? We would say, well, you go through this, and then you have a rich entrance into the kingdom of heaven of our Lord Jesus Christ. You'd be like, but that's what the wording is here. Your faith is a litmus test of your truth faith for eternity. What your faith looks like this last week is what will define when Jesus said, hey, should I let you in heaven? According to the text. 
The definition of your faith will ultimately be graded by Jesus when he gives you entrance into his eternal kingdom whenever that finally happens. So our life, how we, reveal, how we follow Jesus reveals our definition of faith. What am I saying? We started off with what does the word faith mean? We studied 2 Peter 11 verses. It's very, very thick. There's a whole lot in there about summons for production, for application, for productivity and activity. How do you define faith? In the way you follow Jesus. Can somebody look at your life and say, that's the definition of faith by watching you do it? Because how we follow Jesus reveals our definition. Does it make sense? You can read this text, understand it, then go live it this week. Be that person that when people say, that is what faith is, and I want to talk to them some more about that. And the reminder this morning is that God gets to define faith. God defines it. And it's our actions that define our faith. Are they two the same? So last week, how did your family and friends define your faith? God has given, I know the flock. God has given us some challenges. We were missing people this morning because their faith is out there in action. And I know that it's not easy. And I have encountered a lot this week in which my heart bled and my tears. And, but I know that that is when our family and friends watch it, to see when our faith is true. Or to, how, how we, they watch us to see how we define faith. Because they're going to watch us go through that. Now, how would God define your faith last week? We allow him the authority this morning to say, yeah, you're going well there, but let's work on this. Because we have, remember those six parts, ingredients. Is that a faith for eternity? Because he gets to define it. He gets to judge it. Our lives reveal it. Now, is that a faith for eternity? Entrance into Jesus' kingdom. 